The Bible is a love story. Right there on its very first pages, we are told that the man whom God had created was alone and it wasn't good. So God created for him a helper, a partner, a lover, a wife. And when Adam sees her, he is so overcome with wonder that his jaw drops and his heart races and his eyes go wide and he bursts into song. And then the man and the woman get married right there in the garden with God officiating. The Bible begins with a wedding. And interestingly, that's also where it ends. On the last pages of scripture, we see another wedding, only here, the bridegroom is Christ, and the bride is his church, and we realize, oh, th this is where the story was going all along. The culmination of all of God's designs for his creation, made possible through the gospel, is Christ and his people, happily united in covenantal love forever. Every marriage in this age is meant to point to that glorious reality. Now, that doesn't mean that everyone ever is going to be married or that no marriage will ever end in divorce. We live in a broken world, marred by sin. Not everything goes right in this life, and we need to be realistic about that. But it does mean that as those who have been swept into the love story that is the Christian gospel, we should be the kind of people who celebrate and esteem marriage. In this conversation with my dad, we talked about his 54-year marriage to my mom and how that thing got started. I hope you enjoy it. The first time ever I saw your face. In the early 70s, Roberta Flack sang those words, and her song instantly became a number one hit. I think it's because we all know that feeling of seeing someone for the first time and being like, whoa. For my dad, it was the wicked hot summer of 1969 in Brooklyn, New York. I asked him here to tell me about first meeting my mom. I'm up in the balcony with my friend Rick, Ricky Del Rio, and just enjoying the Sunday night service. And I look down in the corner, and I see this, whoa, I see this beautiful-looking lady. And I said, hey, Rick, do you know her? Yeah, I know her. I says, well, she's my cousin, Margie. Right. Margie, yeah. He says, can you hook me up? He says, I'll introduce you, but you're on your own. Uh -huh. She is a tough one. Well, it didn't scare me. So after the service, I went down. I said, hi, my name is Glenn. Your name is? She says, Margaret. I said, very bluntly, how'd you like to go on a date? And she just said, sure. So I said, uh, what do you think? Let's go to uh, Rockaway Beach in Queens on Saturday. She said, great. All right, we'll make the connections. 
that Saturday came. We had a softball game in the afternoon and didn't have time to go home and change. And I was looking at my time. I said, wow, I got to get over there. Get Margaret. We're going out. And I pulled up to a place in Brooklyn. She took one look at me and said, yeesh, <laughs> look at you. You look like a bum. She says, sorry. Well, anyway, let's go out and have a good time. We got in the car, and at that time, I had a brand new race car. So we got over there quick, and uh, we had a good evening, a good night, and I believe probably instantly we fell in love immediately at that moment, maybe not even knowing it, but we did. We all know that one couple who dated forever before finally getting engaged and married, right? It's like, what in the world are you waiting for? Let's go. Well, my dad went the total opposite route, getting engaged within a few days of meeting my mom, and then married just two months later. Two days later, I called her. Three days later, I missed her terribly. I called her up and I said, man, I miss you. She says, yeah, I miss you too. I said, uh, what do you think? Would you marry me? It's five days into it. She said, yeah. So we went down to downtown Brook, uh, Manhattan in the, the Bowery, and I bought her an engagement ring, and we were engaged. It wasn't a big deal. We didn't have a big party. I gave her the ring. She put it on and says, Woo-wee, we're going to be married. However, that night I got home. She called me up. She says, look in your shirt pocket. And I did, and there was the ring I bought her. I said, what's this? Called her up, and she says, I'm headed to my brother Leo's in Ohio. I need time. I said, okay. I was a little bit blown up, blown off. And she spoke to Leo, and Leo said, look, this is the way God put this guy in your life. It doesn't matter. Short time, long time. I think it's good. She called me back up. She says, I'm on my way back. Meet me at the bus depot. Wow. Picked her up. And we planned for our trip to uh, go to be married in Puerto Rico. In his wisdom, God has ordained for daughters to have dads who love and provide for and protect them until handing that work off to a godly young husband. When my abuelo de Puerto Rico, Bartolo Oliver, first laid eyes on my light-skinned, long-haired, tie-dyed dad. Let's just say that this man was not immediately sold on letting this hippie marry his baby girl. And we met her parents at the Puerto Rico airport. Now, he had a little bit of a different idea of who I was in Margaret's correspondence to this great, young, Christian guy on fire for God. And he didn't quite picture us. I think he thought I was coming down there with a suit and tie and a Bible in my, under my arms. However, you know, beard, long hair, hippies. She had cut her hair short with long earrings. When he saw us, he goes, God, what, Chihuahua? What is this? So we went over to a phone. You know, in those days, they had phones in airports on the wall, not cell phones. He calls up his sister, Louise. He goes... What is this gringo? Has he got a job? So Louise says, slow down, Dad. He's a solid Christian. You're going to love him. He'll be all right. Came back and says, okay, let's go. 
I'm going to give you a scissor, get a razor blade, cut your hair, and shave. This is what I like to see. Went in there, was obedient. Margaret says, who's this guy when I got out? <laughs> I said, oh, okay. We got in the car. We stopped for breakfast. No one talked. Not Spanish, not English. Drove five hours at about 100 degrees. In those days, Puerto Rico had like one road. It took a long time ago. And we got stuck behind the sugar cane truck. Wow. Nobody said nothing. Nobody talked. Finally, we got into Mayaguez, where they lived. And he says, I'm going to drop off Margaret, and uh, I'm taking you into the town. I'm going to put you in a hotel, and I'll let you know when I'm coming to get you. Something had to happen between her and her dad and me. You know, this wasn't right. We both loved God, and we were separated by miles. We sat down in the dining room. He took his false teeth out, put it on the table, and we talked for five hours. And all of a sudden... The Holy Spirit came in, touched us. He got up and embraced me. And it was such a beautiful exchange of love. We were singing Spanish and Christian songs. And the whole black cloud, gray cloud, had left. And the Father had accepted me in the wedding. Everyone who's ever been on a honeymoon has a crazy story or two to tell. But how many people's story includes having their brand new bride held for ransom in a hotel room in Puerto Rico. Glenn Cruz does. Got married in a little wooden church right by the ocean. It was hot. We went up forward and it was, it was wonderful. It was almost like we were in a different world and Margaret was beautiful. She had this beautiful dress on that we bought in Manhattan. And she looked gorgeous. And uh, got married, and one of the things was Margaret's mother screamed and yelled and fainted really? <laughs> on the front row. <laughs> That's the way she was, like a, a character. A honeymoon, we stayed in Mayaguez that night, and uh, we hardly even knew each other, so uh, we had our first night together. It went well. We went to Dorado Beach, Hilton, further away in uh, Puerto Rico, and um, it was a great place. And we didn't bring much money with us. Sure. So because we wasn't sure what we were going to do. We had a great hotel. So towards the middle, we ran out of money. And the hotel guy says, hey, there's no way you're getting out of here till you come up with some money. Mm. So like, wow, what are we going to do? So he says, well, I'm going to keep Margaret as collateral in this room. So we call up Anita, who lived in Bayamon, which is about 20 miles away. She says... I'll 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 take care of you, and whenever you can, send me the money. So here I am, really not knowing where to go in Puerto Rico. I actually made it to there. She gave us a five six hundred bucks. We paid our bill. The guy let her out of the cage, <laughs> so to speak. He got back. It was time to bring the rent the car back. And being a guy from New York, one thing I did was naughty. I disconnected the uh, speedometer in the car. So I didn't rack up a lot of miles because we paid for mileage plus car. Bad. Thank you for forgiving me, God. Brought the car back. And at the same time, there was a plane strike. Heading cars. So we had to wait to get a plane back to LaGuardia. So that was our, our, our honeymoon. It was full of laughs, 
full of terror. And it was amazing that God helped me to get around in Puerto Rico. Marriage, at its core, is a missional endeavor. A man and wife are meant to give their bodies and souls to God and to each other. And from that union comes all kinds of biological and spiritual fruitfulness. For my dad, that mission began in a tiny apartment overlooking Yankee Stadium. Uh, Margaret had an uncle who had a place in uptown Manhattan, in Washington Heights, right across from the George Washington Bridge on the 10th floor, which was basically a cock and roach apartment. One of the funny things there was uh, I used to, uh, you know how cockroaches torture people? Well, I used to catch them, stick pins in them, and then throw them out the 10th floor window. They were in the tub, they were on the ceiling, and I hated roaches, so I couldn't wait to get out of there. The, one of the good things was Yankee Stadium was about a mile in the, out the 10th floor window. We could almost watch the little guys playing and stuff, so we knew our time was short there. One other thing was uh, we're on the 10th floor, and I'm looking out the window, and it's a a tough neighborhood, and I'm looking down, and I'm saying, Mark, look at this. Isn't that our car? The hood was open, and these two guys were pulling the battery out of the car. I said, hey, what are you doing down there? And they looked up. Too bad we're taking your battery. I said, I'm going to be down there in 10 minutes. I'm going to break your neck. And... Actually, they actually closed the hood and ran away, so it was a bad place to have a car parked. So we knew we had to get out of there in a hurry. When we did leave, we had three nieces, two spare tires, and everything we owned in the back seat, and we made it to an apartment that God blessed us with in Brooklyn at 62nd Street in, off of uh, 65th Avenue in Brooklyn, and that's where we settled in. Superwise Solomon tells us in Proverbs 18.22 that he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. By God's grace, that has definitely been true for my dad. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Yeah, That's My Dad. If you know anybody who could benefit from listening to these stories, please get them connected. And don't forget you can go to Cruise dot studio backslash dad to hear more and also see some old school pictures that accord with each of these episodes next time we will hear from my dad about the husband becoming a father <laughs>